Welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. Meaning you want to eat the bear more than he eats you. You got to to figure that out. So I've always looked at like life and and the NFL as beautiful. Look, look, you're going to get knocked down just because it's life. It's a guarantee. People are. Yeah, it's just it's a guarantee. Losses are going to come. The champion in you is was I willing to was I willing to fight? Did I enter the arena? And then when I enter the arena, I lost, but I'm gonna lick my wounds if I lost. And guess what? You're gonna have to deal with me again tomorrow. Coming right back at you tomorrow. There's not gonna be this down lag. Yeah, I'm gonna look at myself, I'm gonna get better. And as I get better, I'm going to analyze, analyze self first, because that's where it starts. Analyze self, look at all my strengths and my weaknesses, and then I'm right back at you the next day. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. He's a former All-Pro NFL legend and future Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest players of all time to wear a Dallas Cowboys uniform. He helped lead the team to three Super Bowl championships and earned the reputation as one of the hardest hitters and baddest safeties in the NFL. He's a former trailblazing ESPN analyst and is now making a big impact in commercial real estate. He's an entrepreneur, an outstanding father. He's just an overall juggernaut in all facets of life and a terrific human being. Please welcome the iconic Darren Woodson. Craig, I appreciate that intro, man. I got to, I got to take you, brother. Can I put you in a in a box and take you to do my when I'm doing speeches and <laughs> meeting my new clients, man? I got to. That's a damn good intro. I take great pride in those. And like I was telling you before air, obviously we wanted to have you on the show, but personally, I'm such a fan of yours. I wanted to make sure I did good by you with the intro. Did good. Did great. Did great, dog. You, that was phenomenal. Okay, cool. I know that you have your own podcast, so you do these often as to why. We're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to give the audience access to you. It's going to be different. It's going to feel fresh. Before we get a little bit of a start at the journey, I'd like to start and get a little weird. You ready to get weird? Let's go. Give it to me. Darren, what is your superpower? Superpower is the ability to overcome. I have an innate ability to overcome, uh, get knocked on my ass, excuse my language, uh, bounce the, the bounce back. Uh, I think I've even as a kid, I grew up. I'm a I'm a I'm a product of my environment. I grew up in the inner city in in Phoenix, Arizona. Henson Projects moved out to Maryville, which is the west side of Phoenix. is just as rough. And my mother was a single mom, and we and she raised four kids, and had to overcome a lot. Electricity didn't work at times. We moved seven times in the, in a three year span. Uh, took showers from a hose from the back of a grocery building, a grocery store, uh, did a little bit of everything. And, and we had a lot of ups and downs and had no idea I was poor, man. I, you know what I had, Craig, I had no idea I was poor. Matter of fact, we weren't even poor. We were po. We couldn't even afford the U and the R at the, I mean, the two, the O and the R at the end of the, uh, <laughs> of poor. So we, I've always been in that situation where I had to, to find ways 
to, to overcome situations. And, and it's just been a part of my life. Like, look, I, I get it. Sometimes in life, you're going to get knocked down, man. But I just, you know, there's always tomorrow and I always feel like I can recover in any type of situation. Yeah. And it's all about the mindset and, and yeah. yours obviously is bulletproof. And I was going to dive into some of the stuff that you just talked about throughout the journey. And so, but, but it's so interesting and such a testament to you. And I just want to acknowledge you because you didn't have it easy yeah. by any yeah. means, but you prevailed. You obviously conquered so many different moonshots. You had different acts, obviously in mm-hmm. being an analyst after football and what you're up to now, which you'll dive into too. So love the answer. And I just want to acknowledge you for a second. It's how much I appreciate you. Thanks, brother. And I, I just happened to see something. I saw a crutch yes. in the background. Yeah. What happened? You got, you got to explain this to me. Ankle, yeah. knee, what? Oh, we got, we got a story with this one. So I'm training for the Chicago Marathon right now. I got into marathons oh. a couple years back. And uh-huh. I was at a big speaking engagement uh, in Myrtle Beach, and we're playing football on the beach with the boys, which I knew wasn't a good idea. But here's the thing. <laughs> I got... <laughs> I got injured down. I thought I broke my foot. I came back and the doctor said, it's just a sprained ligament. It wasn't getting any better. So I go get an MRI and on my body. Turns out there was a tumor on the bottom of my foot. Oh, man. Yeah. I would have never even known had I not got this injury. So I had surgery two weeks ago. We got the tumor out. It came back benign, not cancerous. Good. Good. Yeah. I get the stitches out next Tuesday. Okay. Mentally, I'm in great spirits, and I'm excited about the road to recovery, but it was yeah. quite the story. Look, I, I don't believe in a coincidence, divine intervention. Right. I was at Myrtle Beach. I got the injury. We found the tumor and so forth, but crazy story. That is something, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's a great story. Yeah. Great story. I appreciate you asking. Darren, what is something weird about you that a lot of people might not know? Oh, something weird about me. I got this nerd about me, man. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm serious, man. I, you know, I played football all these years, but there's this nerd that lives in me. I, I, I started a software company about four years ago called Counterfine. And it's simply because I've always had this infatuation with technology, uh, software, um, and just, you know, it just innovative things. Like, you know, I always, when I was a kid, people didn't know this, but I wanted to be like a scientist. I mean, I, really? yeah, I just, I don't know. I just love the fact that, you know, how they invent things and their new things and they get patted on the back. You know, as a kid, you're like, you know, yeah, I like scoring touchdowns, but I also want to be able to create something else. So I've always been a guy who built, try to build things with my hands when I was a kid, but I was kind of nerdy-ish in, in some ways that I hit it because I could tackle people. So, but at the same time, you know, as I've grown older, man, gotten older, I've always read, you know, books on, on software and innovation and, um, you know, some of the people that I admire are, you know, the Elon Musks of the world and, and whatnot, because they're just so far forward in their thinking yeah. and processing. Uh, so that's what I am. I, I, I'm, I'm a big, big nerd. That's what I am. That was great. And let me just take a moment and say, I see you, brother. It, there's yeah. more that meets the eye than yeah. crushing people <laughs> yeah. on the gridiron. That's yeah. super cool. And I did a ton of homework on you, number one, obviously, because I'm a fan. And number two, I want to give you the respect you deserve and preparation breeds confidence. I didn't see that anywhere. So thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that with the sailors yeah. audience. Yeah, not, not a problem, man. I mean, look, I got my, you know, my, my company's called Counterfine. We eliminate 
counterfeit merchandise on social media platforms, man. That's, uh, you know, outside of the fact that I'm a partner in a commercial real estate firm. So yeah, that's, but that again, you know, I know enough to be dangerous. I surrounded myself with some really smart people that can really push uh, the business forward. Yeah. So with that being said, is it safe to say your favorite Marvel character is Dr. Strange? No, no. Look, man, I'm a Superman dude altogether. Like, I, I, you, I don't care if it's Marvel, whatever. Superman by far. Like, I argue with my son. I got a 20-year-old who's a Batman fan. And I'm, I love and that. then my son, I got a five-year-old. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I start all over. I got a five-year-old who's a, who's a, a Spider-Man fan. And I'm like, I get it, son. You like Spidey. You like the whole nine. He gets a Spidey sense. But ain't nobody likes Superman, dog. Superman is by far the baddest boy out there. Hundred percent. No one yeah. can dispute that. No, the most dominant. Most dominant. Yeah, he's, he's versatile. He can do it all. That's right, Darren. <laughs> what is your definition of success? Oh man, look, I, I would measure success as freedom. Like, there's a part of when you become successful, and you, you always hear people say, "I'm busy. I work all all the time," and and I just you know, I'm not, you know, basically I'm just busy all the time. I'm slammed. How many times have we heard that? I'm busy. I'm slammed. And, yep. and I, I can't do anything because I, you know, I, I can't see my kids. I don't have time with my kids. I don't you know, have time to finish my work. I can't scale my business because I kept, I'm always on the phone. I'm looking at emails. To me, that's not success. Agreed. Success is when you determine the outcome, when you want to work, how much you want to work. Uh, when you want to go on vacation, how much time you want to spend with your wife, how much time you want to spend with your family. That's to me, that's an attest, a true attestment to a uh, testament to uh, having that type of freedom. And that to me is success. That's how I've always measured it. Because I, again, there's a lot of people that have a huge bank accounts, but cannot stop from working and they, and they're, you know, devoured by their job. And I don't, I don't feel like that should ever be, if you're successful in my mind, that your identity should be freedom. Like I have the time to do whatever I want when I want. This is deep, brother. This is unbelievable. I knew we were going to get deep, but I agree. I agree with you because you could have all the materialistic stuff in the world, but if yes. you're in time, right. Or if you can't control you know, what you want to do and when, then what good is that? Yeah. You know what, Craig, you're, you're right on point, man. And, I, and I've, in, in my own mind, I've always had a number. I've always been a guy that I have my number. And for forever, I've said, this is the number I want. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's the number I want in my life. You know, again, I'm, I came from nothing and tried to build up to something. And here's my number. But man, that's not, I mean, as I've gotten older, look, Time, I've watched myself throughout all these years. I'm 52 years old. I've wasted. 52 years young. 52 years young. I've wasted so much time with that ridiculous mindset. Yeah. You know, why not enjoy and live in the moment? Like how many moments? I have four kids. Like I, The joy comes from me is when I'm with my kids, I'm with my beautiful wife, and we're just in, you know, we're here. Yes. Whereas one and we're enjoying those times. That's to me is success, man. I mean, you can have as much money as you want, man. But if you're not enjoying the luxuries of life that God's giving you, that's right in front of you, then, it's then who so are funny. you? I sense a lot of synergy and alignment right now because I'm reading a book right now. It's a little Zen, but 
mm-hmm. everything that I've been practicing over the last couple of weeks is mindfulness and being yes. present. Being present. Like, like even like, obviously when I'm talking to you right now, I don't care about anything else, but like if you're folding laundry or doing the dishes, whatever you do, just each step that you're doing, just be yes. present and enjoy the moment. So totally yeah. agree with what you're saying. This is great. Thanks, man. I won't hold you to this one because I'm sure there are numerous, but if you had to pick one off the top of your head, what's the proudest moment on the football field for you? Proudest moment on the football field is 1992. We, uh, in Pasadena, we had just beaten the, the Buffalo Bills and game's over with. We walk into the locker room and again, I'm 22, 23 years old. And I'm a rookie and first year in the NFL and we win the game we're celebrating in the locker room you know and back then you had champagne and beer you had alcohol in the locker room you shake it up get goggles on man we're just (laughs) enjoying the moment and I remember looking down and right in front of my locker and there was a guy named Bill Bates who had been in the league up to that point and he came in the league in 1983 he'd been in the league 10 years another guy named Mark Tuane who came in the same year 1983 and these guys are on the ground and they're crying and and I got the champagne bottle. I'm like, man, what is going? Why get up? You know, let's pop. Look up, go out and pop. You know, Prince is having a party tonight in LA. You know, we got the the mindset is let's go, dude. This is not time to be crying. You know, what are, what are you guys doing? They're on the ground. They're crying. They're hugged up, man. And you can just tell like they're at the, they got this emotional moment going on, man. And the the head equipment managing was Buck, Big Buck. And Big Buck had been there since the beginning of the Cowboys organization. Day one, when they had the Cowboys organization, Tom Landry hired Big Buck to be his equipment manager back in the 60s, 69, 65, whatever it was, right? So Buck is standing there next to me, and he he gives me a little wisdom. Greatest moment I've ever had. And this is not what didn't happen on the football field, happened in a locker room after a great victory. But he's, you know, gives me this wisdom. He said, You know, those two guys right there while they're crying. And I said, No, I have no idea. He said, Well, you know, Bill Bates, Mark Tune came in in 1983. They saw their hero in Tom Landry get walked out the door, fired. One of the winningest coaches in history. They watched him get fired. They watched a guy named Jimmy Johnson come in who's a new coach who cut all their friends and teammates over the last four or five years. They went one in 15, like he's running these numbers down. They went one in 15, you know, and, and here they are 10 years later, they finally get to their dream to win a Super Bowl. And I'm looking at this and he says, and this is your first year, brother. That's what exactly what he said. This is your first year. And this is, where you are. And I thought, man, he just put everything in perspective, man. Like the sacrifice that those two dudes made. And the reason why we're in the Super Bowl is because they stayed along the path. They kept the journey alive. They kept chopping wood, even through all the adversity, they kept chopping wood and they formulated. It wasn't the Michael Irvins or the, or the Emmett Smiths or the Troy Aikmans. It was guys like that that paved the way for a young man like me to, to get a Super Bowl championship, man. And I, I just felt like from that point on, it's my job as a young football player that's going to be aging in this league to be that, that type of example, man. So that's my, my, that's my greatest moment. I'm just moved by that story, brother. And I don't think I'm the first to tell you, like, you 
paint an unbelievable visual when, when you're a great storyteller. No. And, and that was awesome. And just the, and also like, that's crazy. Like your first year you yep. win the Super Bowl, like, you know, yeah. that's, um, and I remember an analogy, like from when I was a kid and maybe it's a little appropriate, but life is short, like losing your virginity on ecstasy, something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the first, like the, <laughs> the first hot first season in the NFL. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know how I walked in. It wasn't like, like in college, we were, you know, I went to Arizona State. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't that good. Matter of fact, we didn't. I was in, at Arizona State four years. We didn't win a Super Bowl. I mean, we didn't win a. We didn't get to a bowl game. We didn't get to one bowl game, and, I, and then I get drafted, and then my first year in the NFL, we go to the Super Bowl, and that was just that the story couldn't be told any different. Yeah, insane. I know what you're thinking. Can one cultivate a bulletproof mindset? Or do they have to be born with it? The answer is as follows. We create our own reality. Want to develop and acquire the mindset techniques to completely revamp your mind, alter your perspective, see opportunities where you want to limitations, tap into all your potential, and cultivate confidence on command? CLS Universe. I bring to you for the first time ever, once in a lifetime, the entire Moonshot Masterpiece Experience online course, jam-packed with all the tools and strategies I use to launch CLS into another stratosphere, filled with modules, worksheets, how to tangibly transform into the 2.0 version of yourself and display your gifts to the world. Very simple. Go to CultivateLastingSymphony.com, tap programs, and then bang, begin your moonshot today. Let's stop acting like we're going to live twice. Thank me later. You dig? And let's talk about that for a second. So you grew up in Arizona, right? Yeah. Grew up in Phoenix. Yeah. And I know that your mom was, was your role model. She was a, a prime example of work ethic for you. Yeah. Early. Yeah, man. I tell you, Craig, I, look, I didn't have any idols growing up. None. I mean, the, the only person I really looked up to and he was an athlete that was an athlete was Muhammad Ali. And it was for obvious reasons because he made the ultimate sacrifice. He cared less what people thought about him. Yeah. He stood for what he stood for, what he thought about and what, what was dear to his heart. And I, I always thought I always admired Muhammad Ali for, for that reason. But my mother, man, you know, I saw her and lived with her and I saw her raise four kids uh, by herself, dedicate herself to get up every day, 4.30, 5 o'clock, work her first job from 6 a.m. all the way until 5, 4 or 5. When she worked at Superior Court in uh, in the county of, in Phoenix, Arizona, Superior Court, Maricopa County, and then went to her second job right at, after that at the Elks Lodge for 38 years. I watched this woman bleed for us at work, still find a way to get us to the to school and back to school, to football, basketball, baseball practice. She did a little bit of everything, man, and that's a true dedication. Um, and then I see her come home at 11 o'clock, and halftime, I can still remember as a baby or as a young kid, seven, eight years old, getting into, jumping into her arms when she came in and going to sleep with her, like, in her arms, man. She, she was my hero, hands down. There is no one that even comes close to to my mother, Freddie. She just she's the she's the best and uh, the brightest star in my life. I could see it on your face right now, brother, as we as we shifted gears a little bit and just like the passion coming out of you. And I I read that you set 
used to always say this, like you guys, she always had a game plan. Yeah. Yeah. She always had always, there was always a game plan. I mean, she used to have this, you know, we moved so many times <laughs> and I can still, my mom was a thug, man. I'm telling you, Craig, she was a thug, <laughs> like straight up thug. And she, like, I remember getting chased home one time and three kids tra- 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 uh, chased me home. I run through the door and my brothers aren't there. My sister's not there. My mom's there. It's on the weekend. So I'll walk, the mom walks me back outside. She says, who's chasing you? And three little boys are standing right there. And she says, who's the one? And I said, that one. She says, all right, then go get it. So we scrapped, brother. I went and got it. And she said, you better, two better not jump in. Just one-on-one. And I whooped his ass <laughs> right there. That was my mom. My mom was like, you're, run. you're not going to run from things. And, you know, she always had these, you know, it was a game plan to catch the bus. And we didn't catch it. You know, back then, you know, kids now, you know, you walk into the bus stop and they catch a school bus and they get on the school bus and they go. Back then, like sometimes the school bus didn't come into the neighborhood. You got to go catch a city bus, right? So she taught us at young ages, at a young age, hey, you catch the city bus. If you need a transfer slip, this is a transfer slip. But I mean, walked us through this game plan. And then after school, you come back and you go right to the either the church or you go to the YMCA. It was always a plan in place. And if you got out of line, and didn't follow the plan, dog. It was Craig. It was done. Deal. It was a wrap. And she carried a big stick when she got home, bro. Brother, this is gold, and that's a terrific <laughs> story. She made you square up with the kid, but oh yeah, it was a lesson of life. Right? We don't run from problems if we face them head on. That's right. If, if there's something we could do about it, great. If not, then it is what it is. Yeah. This is terrific. So, at what age did you start gravitating towards football? Uh, when I was a kid, I was in third grade. Actually, I was a just turned eight years old, man, when I started playing football. And I had two older brothers, so I was the youngest of four. My, my the yeah. oldest was my sister. Then I had a brother, Randy, and and my brother Todd. Uh, and I watched my brothers play football. Sister played basketball. She used to always. She was seven years my senior. She used to kick my ass back in the day. I always had that. There was a reason why I was a Steelers fan. I grew up as a Steelers fan. I, I know you did. Hated the Cowboys. My sister was the reason why I was a Steelers fan. She used to beat me up and make me watch the Steelers play. But we'll, we'll go back to that. But anyway, so my brothers played uh, every sport. They played all the sports. And being the youngest fan, you're always, I was always following them. And, you know, I, I was the kid that they wouldn't let me play. Uh, when they were playing basketball, I was I, I was left out. Uh, they used to make me walk like they treated me hard. Man, they used to, I used to be the kid when they did the basketball game. They used to always hit me on the forehead, them and their friends, and you know the hit, I hit me on the forehead <laughs> the whole time. Get out of the way! So I just learned and I watched a lot, man. And and then I felt like when it was my time to play, when I was you know eight years old. You know, I've been beat up so many times, been roughed up so many times. I couldn't wait to hit kids my age and play against kids my age. So, you know, I, it didn't matter. But if the ball rolled, I wanted to play it, man. I just had this passion uh, uh, for the sports. And my mom did a great job of always putting us in position to stay busy. Like, there were no down times because she always felt like she, she used to use these words of, you know, uh, idle times is the devil's workshop. Heard that a million times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be idle. Even in the summer times, it's 120 degrees in Phoenix. You're going to be outside. You're going to be going, you're going to be doing something. You're going to be at the Y. You're going to be at the church cleaning up, but you're not going to sit, sit at home and watch TV. Yeah, so so for, the, for the audience listening, what that means is no Netflix and chill. Get out no, and make something could, happen. <laughs> yeah, 
wish, I wish there was a Netflix back then, but there wasn't. But you know, we we didn't have all those that social media. But she, we just Better kept off. us busy. She kept us busy that that whole time. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, but uh, yeah, I just learned a lot from that. Yeah, that's great. And of course, I could talk to you for ten hours, but I want to be respectful, so we jump around a little bit. You end up at ASU. And I think one of the coolest parts of your story and, and such a valuable lesson for the audience is this might shock people. You didn't play freshman year, correct? No, no, man. It was the most you know, humbling experience in my life. So I came out of high school from Maryville High and my grades weren't right. You know, I, I was focused on playing sports and playing football and didn't take care of what was right in front of me, was, which was my grades. And it wasn't until my senior year that I knew it was a problem. Uh, unlike nowadays where, you know, your sophomore year, hey, you better get in your books. You better do this. And that. I just, hey, I, I'm just going to pass. And, you know, hey, as long as it's a CD, I'm fine. You know, I didn't think about it. And my mother's working two jobs, so she can be hyper-focused on, on, on that as well. So uh, it was my senior year. I thought I was going to go to a D1 school because I, I was a pretty good football player. Uh, and being humble had, and modest. Yeah, be, I'm serious. I thought, I was, hey, look, I, I thought I'm going somewhere. I, I don't know where it is to play, but I'm playing D1. And uh, come to find out, as time went on, my grades were bad. And the school started falling off saying, hey, you need to go to a JUCO or you're going to be a Prop 48. And, and, you know, Prop 48 is someone whose grades weren't acad- academically sound, had sit out the first year of football, couldn't be around – the, the team, you had to go to school. You still had a scholarship coming in place, but you couldn't do all those little things. And um, you had to sit out and couldn't be around the sport. So you had to become just a student for a year. And then the next year you can come in and play on the team if your grades got up, if you got them up to par. So Arizona State, uh, one of my coaches is recruiting coordinator named Don Bakke. Uh, like my mother, formulated a game plan because my choice was, well, maybe I'll just go to a, a JUCO. And play a couple of years and, and, and then come on. And, and Baki, Don Baki at Arizona State, and there were a number of other coaches from other places that, that talked to me about just coming in and being a prop. But Baki had a plan. He had a game plan, laid it out for me. He said, hey, listen, you're going to take these classes and you're going to do this. And Freddie, who is my mom, is going to fall in line. She's going to hold you accountable. And this is what you're going to do. And that's exactly what I did. And I went to school. I, the one thing I did know, Craig, is I wasn't a dumb kid. I was pretty smart. I was a smart kid. I just didn't have any work ethic. And I wasn't efficient with my time. So it took that time and a whole lot of humility to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to play football this first year, but I'm a, I am going to get these grades right. So I went to school, followed Don Bach's game plan, got my grades up. And the next year I was on the team and I was back on the team. And uh, for me, it was, it's probably one of the best experiences that I've had to go through. And I talked to you about earlier about being able to over, overcome things yeah. and, you know, take yep. it on the chin and find a way to bounce back. And that's one of my, that's probably my first moment where I, it was a bounce back moment. Cause I could have made one or two choices. Yeah. I could have said, you know what? My pride's in the way I'm forget school, forget football. I was going to go to the military, like all my other friends were doing or just getting a job. But for me, it was, Hey, this is a sacrifice that I'm going to make. And, and I'm going to follow my dream and become a, a football player. I'm very selective and strict when using any types of products, period. However, the CLS experience is all about elevating your state and getting the mind right as it is our biggest asset in life. 
Something I've incorporated into my life is CBD, specifically sweat CBD. Just like this podcast, Sweat CBD is all about enhancing your state, designed to optimize your physical and mental well-being. I personally love their products, specifically the oil and the gummies. I've tried a few different CBD brands and products, and to me, this is the most natural feeling. I love their products and what the brand stands for. The founder of Sweat CBD is a dear friend of mine, and she's offering the entire audience, all the listeners, CLS family and universe, a special promo code. Enter CLSCBD at sweatcbd.com. Enjoy. I love you all. There's so many lessons in that and so much value, especially I want to acknowledge you for the radical humility, right? Like mm. you're saying, obviously you're a bright kid. I mean, I mean, you could speak, speaking to you now, it's obvious, but you didn't have, you weren't applying yourself work ethic wise. And sometimes like it's not rocket science, but we just need accountability. Yeah. Uh, and obviously your mom had not had your back. And, and no availability, but, man. Like, yes. I mean, the number one thing you could ever have in life, and that doesn't matter where you are, man. Like here, I feel preaching here. I'm going to get on this. I love it. Box. Don't stop. But, Don't stop. <laughs> but brother, I've been in the NFL. I played at the highest level in the NFL in school. If you just show up, like if you just a class, if you just show up, there's so much positive that comes out of that. In, in the NFL, if you just, like, there's been great players that have come before me and are playing after me right now. And I've seen so many of these great players get cut and removed because they weren't available. They didn't go to treatment. They couldn't make the Sunday game on time. They were late for meetings. They weren't available and they got cut. Great athletes. And, and it applies in the business world too. I, I own two businesses. I see, you know, employees come and go because they don't show up. They don't do the little thing. And, and that will cost you at some point. And that's exactly what it did to me in high school. I didn't show up for class. I was always late. I, you know, I didn't manage my time. I wasn't efficient. And bam, had those setbacks. But the best part about you is like you just tested to, that could have sent you down one of two different roads. Yeah. Obviously, we know the one that you chose. And, and look, it's so easy to say in life, like, listen to what I say or, or get advice from people. But sometimes we have to go through it. That was obviously a pivotal moment yeah. in your life because you knew when it got down to it, you got to get gritty and then you'll make yeah. yourself available and so forth. Love you just touched upon that. Thanks, bro. So, so we'll forward a little bit. NFL time. You get drafted. Second round? Yeah, second round. Early second round. So, so you end up at the Cowboys. Is that no. a, little bitter, a little, little bittersweet or just straight gratitude? Look, man, in the end, I was happy. But before I got – look, okay, so I'll, I'll set it up this way. I didn't know the Cowboys were going to draft me. And I didn't know – you know, I grew up a Steelers fan. Yeah. So – you know, coming into the draft, you know, we went to the combine and then you did your pro days. And back then it didn't have all this hoopla about the combine and, you know, they film everything now. And so on social media, it wasn't like that. Right. Right. But, you know, and I didn't know which team was going to draft me. I had no idea. And a lot of people don't, but the Cowboys weren't a team that was high on the radar. I had other teams that were reaching out and wanted to talk to me on my draft, on, uh, on my pro day, and at the combines, there were certain teams. So you sort of had a feel of, okay, the Detroit Lions actually like me. New York Giants like me because they wanted to have these extra conversations after the workout. Uh, the Cowboys weren't that team. Steelers weren't that team as well. So I didn't know. There's probably about 12 or 14 teams I could have said, yeah, there's a shot. So here's my draft deck. I'm at the. Uh, I'm at my apartment. The year before uh, the draft, my roommate's guy named Floyd Fields played for the San Diego Chargers. So Isn't Floyd, it? yeah, Floyd's a year older than I am. So the year before, 
I'm watching the draft of Floyd. Floyd's supposed to go in the second, third round, hands down, safety, second, third, damn good football player. He and I sat there alone by ourselves and watched the draft. Second round goes by, doesn't get drafted. Third round goes by, doesn't get drafted. Floyd's legs are shaking. I'm a little nervous. Fourth round comes up, doesn't get drafted. And it's like, man, it was so hard to sit there and watch this. Fifth round, he finally gets drafted, right? San Diego Chargers. And it was like, it was almost like someone was ripping his chest open because you're watching players <laughs> go before him. Yeah. That he was much better than. Like he Emotional. had a much better career, much more athletic than these guys. And they're going. So he gets finally gets drafted. And he sit there once the once he got drafted, first thing he says to me is, next year when you get drafted, we're not sitting in front of the TV. This is unbearable. To, to sit here and watch that. He's like, I'll sit here and watch. You go do something. Year comes up. My turn comes up to get drafted. He's at the San Diego Chargers. He comes back on draft day to watch me. He sends me. He says, hey, look, I'm going to give you a pager. So, so the young folks that are out here, we didn't have cell phones. We had pagers back then, right? <laughs> and I couldn't afford a pager. I was a broke college kid, so I didn't have my own pager. So he gives me his pager. He says, hey, you go, my pager. You get drafted, I'll page you. And then you go call back, call back to the landline, right? Cool, fine. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. My mom comes to the house, my sister, my family all come to the house, but Floyd is in control, right? So <laughs> I leave with a couple of buddies. We go to, he says, go to the golf course. I never played golf, but it was a way to get my head, my mind off of it. So we Pretty go nice. eat first. Me and a couple of buddies, we go eat first, and then we go to the golf course. And we're driving to the golf course. Pager goes off. I look at, my home number. Boom. I go into the golf shop. We just barely put up at the, at the pro shop. I'll go over to the golf shop, ask the guy for a cell, uh, for a, a, a landline. He's like, nah, I can't, you can't use a landline. So I had to, oh bully my him. Goodness. I, I had to bully him. I was like, Hey man, I just got drafted. Uh, <laughs> my boys are sitting there like, man, let him use the phone. So I, go, All right. <laughs> I get the phone. Okay. And I got two big defensive ends. They're my buddies. They're like, oh, forget about it. Yeah. Can't yeah. So he's like, Oh yeah, here's the phone. So, <laughs> I call my boy back and he's like, Hey, I got good news. And I got, I call Floyd back. And he says, I got good news. And I got bad news. I said, give me the good news. He said, you just got drafted second round, 37th pick. And I'm like, yeah, yeah my boys in the back. And then we high five each other. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm lost. I don't even care what team it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah. so he's like, Hey, I'm like, yeah, what's up? He says, I ain't give you the bad news just, just yet. And I was like, well, what's the bad news? To the damn Dallas Cowboys drafted. And I sat there. Like the Cowboys were the team I hated the most, man. I know. I hated whoever were playing the Cowboys, I wanted them to win, not the Cowboys. I hated them, man. Roger, Drew Pearson, the whole night. Didn't like them. So I sat there for a second when he said it, and I said, the Cowboys? And he said, Yes, the Dallas Cowboys. Says, matter of fact, you need to get back because your flight leaves in an hour and a half. <laughs> I already booked it. And I was like, Okay, so it's crazy how this works. So I go back, I get on the flight and come come to Dallas for a press conference and all. And, and that's my story. And it'll t- I'm telling you one thing. My, again, my family was a Steelers family. We love the Steelers because of my sister, right? It, w- it, it would surprise you how fast that changes when a man signs his name on a check. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Jerry signed his name on the check, man, and we all became and yeah, so much cowboy apparel in that house. I couldn't. I mean, they were, oh, we were just forget it. Oh man, best moment ever. That's a terrific story. And again, I just have to acknowledge you for the the way you 
portray it. It's such, I got such a visual. I'm on the edge of my seat here. Unbelievable story. I have to question for you. When you were drafted, were you a safety or a linebacker at this time? I was a line. It was, it was a tweener. So I played linebacker. It was a rover back, we called it. But the luxury I did have, I had one of the best coaches. I mean, man, in my life was, was Lovey Smith. Who Lovey coached, Smith. He coached in care of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, head coach of the Chicago Bears. He was yep. my position coach at Arizona State. And he taught me how to cover, how to come up and bang, how to do all this stuff as a, as a linebacker slash rover. And it allowed me to translate that same skill set into the NFL. And in the NFL was, hey, my first year, I was basically covering tight ends and slot receivers. And that's what I did because I had that, that, that kind of capability. So uh, it prolonged my career too, man. And it allowed me to do a lot. and allowed us as a defense to be flexible in some things because we didn't have to bring in that third corner. I could play, you know, the nickelback at the same time. Yeah. Darren, how much did you weigh like in your prime? 227, 228. That's somewhere. nice. That's yeah. a nice size yeah. for safety. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is great. I have yeah. a quick question for you. I'm curious, off topic, and then we'll go back to the journey. Game's on the line, right? You're, you're on defense. Yeah. Game's on the line. The, the opposing quarterback drops back. What's your mindset like right there? It depends on what I'm doing. It depends. Oh, seriously, if he, you know, quarterback drive, am I covering man to man? Am yeah. I in the zone or, or whatnot? So, you know, if I'm in man to man, it's my eyes are on my job. My job is to cover, you know, Steve Smith in the slot or Jerry Rice in the slot. Like that's my job. That's the only thing I can think of is, is do my job. Don't be the guy that gives yeah. up the big, big play either physically or mentally. Just make sure you do your job. Uh, if I'm in a zone that I'm reading his eyes, like, you know, some of the things that, that happen in a football game is weird because it's, it seems like it's moving fast, and it does. My rookie year, the game was moving really fast for the first sure. three or four weeks because I, the tempo was a little different in the NFL. Everybody was fast. Everybody was strong. And compared to college, you mean? At, compared to college. Yeah. And then there was always the, the anxiousness of the not knowing because it's, this is new to you. Uh, you know, not knowing the defense fully and understanding the intricacies of the defense, uh, trying to figure out where your help was in the defense. Like the, the game really is fast at that moment. What you see in a lot of situations with young rookies, because you see a lot of rookies that you saw in college and you go, man, you know, college, he was this, but man, he's, he's not the same guy in the pros, right? But then you give him a little time and then the game starts to slow down. And then when the game slows down, you're playing it at a different pace. It's, oh, forget the it. The tempo is different. The plays are moving slow. Uh, my reaction is fast. I'm getting there. Uh, I'm making really quick. I'm processing information a lot quicker, giving it to coaches or giving it to other players. That's when you, that's, that's you, you, you kind of have gotten there and you, and you get it. And, and some of the great ones, like, you know, the Ray Lewis's, man, I mean, the game was, the game was slow to him. He, yeah. he could react and process information extremely fast. Ed Reed's the, the Troy Aikman's, man. That's, yeah. that's the reason why they're the Darren Woodson's. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. what a crew you had on that roster, right? That's Troy Aikman, yeah. Emmett Smith, uh, Michael Irvin. Yeah. Was Dion there or not, not yet? Dion came in 95. So he came on the team then. It was prime was, time. Prime, brother. <laughs> I tell you what, man, people don't realize, you know, prime was – the greatest athlete I've ever been around. Really? I mean, hand, hands down. Best hands, best feet. 
mentally strong, knew exactly what he needed to do. And I mean, he didn't get enough credit. Like he wouldn't tackle people. He always had that thing. Like he doesn't tackle this and that. <laughs> The dude was strong, man, like physically fit. And he he studied and prepared like none other. Uh, but just a tremendous, you put him on the field, like God made this kid to play football. Yeah. That's it. That you're this is what you're gonna do. And he shut down his receiver or his half of the field, he'd do his thing. But just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. And, and, and the thing that you don't realize about him is he's a country boy. Yeah, you see the prime time, the lights come on. It's prime right. time. Swagger. It's, 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 it's swag. It's the Jerry <laughs> Curl back in the day. It's the gold <laughs> chains. It's the one-liners. Like, he had it all, man. Brash, cocky, doesn't cuss. Really? Never had a drink in his life. Doesn't drink. Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. You would never. This is surprising. A, not a glass of wine, not a beer, not a mixed drink. Nothing does not do the alcohol deal and doesn't cuss. But then you put a fishing pole in his hand. Oh, he's all day. He's really? all day. He's a country boy, man, at heart, man. He's uh, and it's and it's and it's comic. It's he's a comedian the, in the entire time. One of the best teammates I've ever been around, man. Because he just, you know, even through those the, the toughest of times in, in games where it's like twelve play drive, he walks back to the huddle. He's gonna make you laugh. He's gonna have these one liners that make you laugh, man. One, one one of the best teammates I've ever had. We're hitting it all today. And I love to be educated and learn new stuff. I didn't know that about Dion. And I think yeah. that would surprise the audience and so forth. And, and also, Darren, I know the second year, so you win the Super Bowl the first year. Mm-hmm. The second year, correct me if I'm wrong, you break your arm yeah. in preseason. Talk about that a little bit. And also, I'm obviously going through an injury now as I'm training for a marathon. What's mm-hmm. the mindset required to push through an adversity like that? Yeah, man. I mean, that's. You know, so my second year, I ended up breaking my arm in the uh, preseason game. It was friendly fire. Uh, my own teammate, Kenny Gant, um, came through, and I'm, I'm holding a guy up, and my own player comes by, and he, he hits me with his, his uh, helmet, snaps my, my forearm. You knew right away? Uh, I knew, man, trust me. The pain, you know, people say, well, you know, when you – know, when things are moving fast, you really can't feel it. No, dude. It, when it happened, it was yeah. like, ah, God, it's, I'm done. Like, <laughs> carry me off the field. But Understood. So I go to the sideline, man, and uh, it's broken. It's, you know, do the x-ray. It broke all the way through. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure what happens. You know, the, the doctor, you know, they, they go in, they do surgery. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to miss a long period of time. And I can remember them wrapping it up and sending me home. And, and I finally get to the training room the next day where the, the Cowboys trainers are. And I sit down and I'm like, hey, man, well, you know, what's the deal? And they're like, well, we just got to rehab it and we'll see what happens. It took a couple of days, man. It's probably like a week or two. And I was back on the practice field. They just wrapped it up. They put this big old club ass thing on it, yeah. club on it. And I dress out for the first game, which I'm not even thinking I'm going to play like you know, I'm not sure what the deal is. So Jimmy Johnson dresses me out the first game. One of the safeties, I think it was James Washington, goes down. John, James Washington or Thomas Everett goes down during the game, early in the game. Next man up. I was the next man up, man. You know, I, I had won the starting position oh but because goodness. of the injury. Because of the injury, I couldn't didn't think I was going to play. Right. And here I go, man. I'll, I'll run out there. And I had a game, bro. I mean. Of course you did. Big cast on and all, man. I could. I was a club running around, 
uh, through that process. But I played the entire season and in my entire career, if you see any pictures of me, I always had because of the screws that were in the arm, I always try to protect that arm. Uh, but, you know, it was a bit of adversity, man. And I was just, you know, thankful that you know, I rehabbed it. Um, didn't lose the mindset, went out and tried to be available and practice again. And, and Jimmy, I had, a co- I had a coaching staff that believed in me, man. Yeah. Um, and and weren't gonna, they weren't going to leave me at home. They wanted me, wanted me to be out there. Yeah. And I love that you're like, it wasn't so personal, like adversity to you. It was like, okay, so what do we have to do? We get the surgery yeah. and, and we, you know, we put the cast on it and we go from there. Did you ever have any lingering injuries from that ever again? Because you said uh, you the rest of the yeah. career. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I, I had moments even now, like, you know, the arm is that right arm is not as strong as my left arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have, you know, some left, you know, I can see, every time I get an x ray on my hand or I've had other surgery, you know, surgeries in my hands and whatnot, and I can always see the screws. Yeah. They still remind me, I still see the staple marks in my arm. Understood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's there's battle always wounds. a reminder. Yeah, <laughs> battle wounds. It's always, yeah. My kids always look at them and like, man, what happened to you? Like, I, I've told so many stories, Craig, so many lies. My son's, Friends come over and like, man, what happened to your form? Shark bite. I jumped out of, yeah, shark bite. Jumped out of that <laughs> helicopter. Hit my arm. Yeah, I, like, I got all these, <laughs> these lives for them. Where'd you guys end up that second season? I think we went either. When did 13, you win the second championship? Yeah, see that. Yeah, second. So first year we won it. We went 13 and three. Second year, I think we went 12 and four and won it uh, that year. And then, uh, 94, we lost in the NFC championship, which is my proudest, one of my proudest moments as a team is, uh, we lost in 94 into in San Francisco, but didn't quit, man. And we had a chance, we were down 21 in the first quarter, had a chance to win it in the fourth and just saw a team fight. So that 94 team, uh, we ended up winning the 95, we came back and won it. Yeah. Yep. What an unbelievable four year stretch to start the career. Yeah. And then also, I know there was some, I don't know if it was politicking or whatever the case would be, but Jimmy Johnson was gone after a championship, right? Yeah, he was out, man. I mean, which was definitely a tough moment. But, you know, look, I, I think there was, you know, we had just won back-to-back championships. First of all, Craig, who gets fired after winning a championship? Nobody. Like, nobody. Yeah, nobody. exactly. That's how we felt as players. Like, we can, we're going to go three-peat, then we're going to run, win four and five, and we were still a young football team. Uh, we were basically all coming back. Again, yeah, we were losing some guys through free agency, but you know this—the core of that football team was coming back, and you just fired the head coach, or he departed. However, they want to say it. And to me, it was egos, and it wasn't just Jerry's ego; it was, it was Jimmy's ego as well. Sure, uh, that stopped us from making history. And big personalities. Moment, oh, big personality. And you know, look at that moment, man. We, I think we were all present in that moment. Like we wanted to, as players, we wanted to make history. And we were still considered one of the youngest teams. We were like the top five youngest teams in the league, man. They were, we were primed to win multiple championships sure. along the way. And they were just, you know, in our division at the time, you know, actually in our conference at the time, San Francisco was the other team that was as strong as we were. But everybody else didn't, you know, they didn't scare us. You know, we felt like we, we, we legitimately had a chance to win the NFC East and go back every year. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy story. And I want to segue into this because I heard you mention something like this, just talking about mindset for a second. You gave an analogy. Football is like life in the essence that if you make a bad play, the very next play or in life, if something happens to you, you have an opportunity to redeem yourself, kind of have to shrug it off and just get back up. Yeah, it it sucks, man. Football, I used to have a coach named Joe Avizano. God bless him. He's our special teams coach. When I first came in the league, my first year, 
you know, he had been a, an NFL coach for a long time and he, he made mention, and I still remember this day, we, we were in Austin at training camp and he said, uh, he said, sometimes you're going to eat the bear and sometimes the bear is going to eat you in this league. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out, man. It took me a while. And I asked uh, Bill Bates, who was one of the, the veteran players, I said, what the heck does that mean? And he said right next to me, because it just stuck with me when he said it. Yeah. And Bill Bates said, hey, man, look, you know, in this, in this league, they're just as physical, as strong, as tough as you are. And sometimes physically, they're going to beat you. I mean, just you're not you're just not going to match up. It's just how it is. He said, but one thing you want to do is in this league at the same time, you want to be the guy that holds the fort more than not. Meaning you want to eat the bear more than he eats you. You just got to, you got to figure that out. So I've always looked at like life in, and the NFL as beautiful. Like, I, look, you're going to get knocked down just because it's life. And it's a guarantee. People are, yeah, it's just, it's a guarantee. Losses are going to come. The champion in you is, was I willing to, was I willing to fight? Did I enter the arena? And then when I enter the arena, I might have lost, but I'm going to lick my wounds if I lost. And guess what? You're going to deal with me again tomorrow. Coming right back at you tomorrow. There's not going to be this down lag. Yeah, I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to get better. And as I get better, I'm going to analyze self first because that's where it starts. Analyze self. Look at all my strengths and my weaknesses. And then I'm right back at you the next day. That mentality is absolutely priceless for the audience listening. That's so valuable. Like if you waste any more time than that with a pity party or feeling sorry for yourself, there's there's zero benefits to it. None, none, man. I I love that you touch upon that, brother. At some point, your your NFL playing career comes to an end. I want to talk about that for a second. You're one of the greatest athletes and safeties in the history of the NFL. I I mean, looking, you can never connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards. As Steve Jobs said, like, what a ride. What a journey. You have one of the greatest careers. You win three championships. I know a lot of professional athletes, once they're done you know, with what they've been training for essentially their whole life, there's a bit of, as they call it, identity crisis, whatever the case may be. Yeah. It wasn't so long between then and you segueing into becoming an analyst on ESPN. Is that correct? Yeah. It's like the next day. I retired. And then the next day, I was in Bristol, Connecticut working. You know, Actually, it was like the next day I was on a flight. Literally was, the next was, day. Actually, the next day I was on the in the process of making a flight to Bristol, uh, Connecticut to to work at East. Is that a part of the plan? Uh, the plan was to go interview, and I got down there. And uh, once I was there, they asked me to just come on set and <laughs> and uh, join the show. And my agent was there, and my agent was like, "Well, we didn't, we don't have a contract, so he's not just going to get on the show." They forward over the contract. Hey, my agent asked me, "Do you like it?" And I said. Yeah, let's do this. It was a small con, two year deal. I'm like, yeah, let's do it because I, I was getting recruited by other networks, but mm-hmm. this deal was the best deal we had seen. And this is ESPN. I, this is ESPN, and yeah. I'm, I was sitting there with a guy in Trey Wingo and Mark Schlereth, who are who are on the show. And I, you know, as a, as a football player, I'd always tune into NFL Live. I'd see those guys every once in a while, and I was like, man, I like. I was, Trey is a big you know, big football fan. Yeah. Fell in love with him, fell in love with Mark Schlereth. And I was like, man, let's, let's do this. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how, that's how the transition happened. Now, let me tell you this, Greg, I sucked (laughs) like terrible. 
terrible. Like I was the worst thing. Matter of fact, I'm on air the first time and my my mother is tuning in. I, of course, I hit my hit everybody up. Hey, I'm about to go on TV. I'm about to go. No idea. I didn't know what camera to look at. I didn't know why this dude was talking in my ear, in my, my <laughs> IMP. I'm sitting there going, what in the heck is going on? So uh, Trey Wingo's asking me a question for show. And I'm talking to him and I hear this guy say, rap, 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 rap. And I'm like, I'm pulling away, like asking, answering the question and pulling away. Like, what are you and Trey's like, look at me, look at me, look back at me, answer the question. <laughs> so it was, it was confusing. I'd never been on TV. I yeah. had no experience, man. So just a beginner. Uh, it was a beginner, man. And I tell you, man, it, for the first two, three, man, four years, I had to work. I was not natural. It was not being on TV was not natural for me. And I watched guys like Trey and, 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 and Mark Schler and so many others, man. Like, you know, that, that was Merrill Hodge there at the time. Hodge was there. He, he was Hodge on the show last week. Phenom- He's great. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal on TV. I mean, those guys were naturals. Yeah. Uh, they didn't come natural to me. So I had to work. I had to ask Hodge a whole bunch of questions. I had to ask, you know, whomever came on, you know, how do we you know what are you doing when you're are you looking at the camera? And they're like, hey, just prepare here. Sh- here's some work to, 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 to help me prepare. So I wasn't afraid to ask those questions, man. And, it, and I got better and better as it, it went on. But I had to be self-critical in watching myself, which, you know, a lot of people don't want to watch yourself, which is the hardest thing to do, man. I mean, to sit there and watch yourself. That's how you learn. You know, that's how you learn. But it's yeah. hard, man. It's hard. It's a hand placement. What camera I'm looking to? Do I know what the heck I'm talking about? Like, you, you got to watch those things because if you watch them, then then you can make some adjustments to the process. But uh, it, it took me a while to get there. Yeah, but just like anything, you got You can't be afraid to be a beginner, that's so right. to speak. So yeah. I love that you embraced that challenge. And then you do that for mm-hmm. about 13 years? I did it for, yeah, 13 years. But in the process of being at ESPN, I really started to cut my teeth and understand development and the commercial yes. real estate business. Because my agent at the time was a CFO for a company called Weber and & Company, and they, did, they were a development company. And I spent a lot of time actually office with them and just learned the industry. And uh, my agent, George Bass, did a phenomenal job of just educating me through the process of what real estate was always about. Roger Staubach. You were doing this while you were, while you were doing oh, yeah. ESPN. Yeah, oh yeah. I was I office at our development company when uh, I was at ESPN. I just, I, I love real estate. I just love the fact of, of, uh, you know, how they put this develop the, the developments together and how they brought the money in and, you know, the develop, you know, the, just, you know, the architectures and the design, the whole, lot. I just fell in love with it and, and started to learn the business while I was at ESPN. So it was, you know, once at ESPN for a number of years at the same time doing the development stuff. And then after a while, uh, the ESPN thing, which I love, man, I got a lot of good friends there. But, you know, the football side of it just ran its course. You know, I, I just burnt out on watching the Jacksonville Jaguars play the your New York Jets. In the <laughs> yeah, how do you use that analogy? Brother. Yes, it just, it just Craig, it's just week 14 of the season. They both won two games and I got to watch this game. And I was like, nah, this is enough. I can't. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But first of all, that's, I love that you said this because you were very successful at one of the best at ESPN, but it wasn't setting your soul on fire and you acknowledge that. And during this time frame, like you already, you're already playing chess, setting yourself up 
for the real estate stuff and so forth. And now you're making a monster impact in that. Talk about that for a second. What are you up to right now? So we, I am a partner in a commercial real estate firm called ESRP. We are a uh, commercial real estate firm. We are tenant rep. We call it a tenant rep firm. So we represent clients for office space, industrial space, contact centers. Uh, you know, that's what we do. So we don't represent the landlords. We only represent the tenants and we help them find office and industrial and, and contact center space. You know, it's, it's that simple. Uh, we're an international com- uh, company. We work in 49 different countries. Uh, office up here in Frisco, Texas. Um, and it, yeah, business is great, man. I, I mean, I love, like, you always want to figure out what your why is. I love being around in my team. We got 55 people that work with us here in the office. Nice. Uh, I love being around the team aspect. You know, I, and I lost, I kind of, Craig, I kind of lost that when I was playing in the NFL. And no offense to, to, to ESPN, but, you know, in the NFL, you're in a locker room, you're game planning, you're working in with, as a team, you know, you're, you're a piece and a part of the cog that, that makes the engine go. You got to be available. You got to do little things in order to be successful. You got to lead sometimes. And at ESPN, that's not what you, you usually go in as an individual. You research and you do your thing. But, you know, for my own companies and, 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 and you know, my two companies, I'm just a part of the team. And they treat me as such. There's no... Now, I'm not on a, a stage and by myself and they're not putting me up there. It's like we work together, man. And that's one thing I got back, that team atmosphere of winning, losing together, um, being available, man, that yeah. camaraderie. That's, that's what I got back to, man. So it's been fun building this business. Yeah. You're so humble, brother, and you're one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. But what you missed is be, just being one of the boys. Just and one I of think, the dudes, man. Yeah, I think that's yeah. so special. You're such a good dude, and I really appreciate that, brother. And Thanks. it's no secret as to why you're having so much success now with that. And it's such, it's such a valuable message for the audience. Like, just because you could do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should. And, and you chase something at the end, like, for your third act, so to speak, right. right? Now you're doing something that sets your soul on fire. And it's so obvious, like the way you talk about it, you're so excited about that. There's a lot of people that are doing stuff that don't necessarily fulfill them yeah. and they should take that shot. Yeah, they should, man. You know, why not? Look, I mean, the, I think the one thing that we do, we get in, we get in front of ourselves you know, yeah. most of the time. And, and that's the reason why we started the, the Darren Woodson Show podcast, and I'm with Tyler Klutz and my friend uh, Ben Gibbs. We all work together at, here at the commercial. And it's fantastic, by the way. The Man, audience should go is, check it out. The, it is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done because you know we're we're bringing on guests, we're doing these things called roundtables where we have these topics that we throw out and we talk through them, and you just find out a lot about people and how people have overcome certain instances in their lives. And it doesn't matter who it is. We're not a sports show. I'll, I'll throw that out there. We're a lifestyle show, man. We want to talk about the pot, the, the, the ups and the downs, your journey, what you've gone through. And it's to me, it's been therapeutic, man, because I'm hearing all these stories. And I always thought, you know, as a kid, like, man, why no one has a story like me. No, my story, I mean, it's like that. I mean, there's a people that we interview, and you're like, hey, what happened? And then you did what? And you came back from what? Like, those are the things that have been special uh, on, on our show. And, uh, you know, I, I got two of the best guys. You know, we always talk about being around your friends. And sometimes as we grow up, we're not around our buddies as much because they got families and whatnot. Well, I'm around two guys, man, that I love to death, um, that are, are God-fearing dudes who have kids like me, 
who go who have, go through the same problems as me, and we talk through them, man. And it's been fun. It's been fun to be around my buddies. Yeah, absolutely love that, brother. And, and while you're at it, tell the audience where they can keep up with you, support you, find you, and, and so forth. Yeah, the Darren Woodson Show. You can you can follow us on uh, on Instagram. Uh, we're on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel. You can find us on anything that that has podcasts. It's the Darren Woodson Show. Uh, you can follow me personally on uh, Darren Woodson twenty eight on Instagram, um, Twitter, the whole nine. So that's that's how you that's how you find me. One last question from the audience off the top of your head, point blank: Who's the toughest opponent you ever played against? Opponent as a team, I would say San Francisco Forty Nine ers, hands down. I think Jerry Denver. Rice. Jerry Rice, Steve Young, you know, you name it, man. Uh, Jones, Waters. Forget about it. They, they, they had a squad. They had a really good team. A boy, Merton Hanks, you know, T-Mac. Yeah. Dion was there for a year. They were, they were a really good football team. And I'll say this, though, man. I mean, they were, they were one of the great opponents we played against, but we had to go through the gauntlet in the NFC East. Yes, you did. They had the Giants with Parcells, who had won the NFC, who had won the uh, Super Bowl in '89 or, or '90, one of those years, and the Washington Redskins, who had won it in '91. Philadelphia Eagles were stacked, man. So we, I played against some really, really good teams in the really NFC East. Yeah, and, and, and any of those teams could have won it. I mean, there was a point where five, four or five straight years, the NFC East were winning the Super Bowl. So any of those teams, if they, if we didn't win it, they probably would have won it. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to put them on the same level as the, the diners in the nineties. I love all this, but this has been so much fun. I told you we keep it different for the audience listening. We're rapidly growing right now. The only thing we ask, if you love the conversation, post it, tag Darren or I and share it with the friends. This was too much fun, brother. We got to do it again soon. I wanted to say to you straight up, my man, you are the definition of resilience, grit and heart from following your childhood dreams of playing in the NFL going to ASU and getting drafted to the iconic Dallas Cowboys. You're a legend, role model, and beacon of hope for anyone coming up today with big goals and aspirations. Darren, you're a champion on and off the field. Your mindset is absolutely bulletproof. It's so exciting to watch you spread your wings in commercial real estate right now. And I could personally guarantee your best is yet to come. You have my word right here, right now. This will absolutely not be the last time that you and I collaborate, my friend. Man, absolutely, brother. I'm going to get you on the show, too. you got to come on my show. I love that. Let's do it. We're going to turn the tables. And ask <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely going to do that. Craig, I appreciate your time, man. Really do, man. And uh, like I, You just rattle all that off, man. I'm going to tell you one thing. I never did any of that by myself. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. And I know that you always say that. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a yeah. testament for everyone that you surrounded yourself with. I'm going to tag you on some stuff on Instagram and we'll promote this. Keep doing your thing, my friend. I can't wait to see what you do next. So much love and respect for you. Thank you so much for your time, Darren. Man, God bless you, brother. Take care now, Craig. Have a great day, brother. All right now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS the YouTube channel, Craig Siegel, and our website, CultivateLastingSymphony.com, where you could sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come.